I'm Chanel Shaw. And I'm Katie Persia McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. This week on Ave Spotlight, we are visiting with Anne Garrido, author of the forthcoming Rules of Engagement, Eight Christian Habits for Being Good and Doing Good Online. And today we chat with her about how to use social media and the internet and forums for conversation online in healthy and holy ways, especially in the current moment that we find ourselves in where things are tense and fraught, especially in online forums. We hope you enjoy today's show. And thanks so much for joining us on Ave Spotlight. Oh, Katie and Chanel, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're coming to us from Miami. I am. Uh, post-Christmas holidays. How was your holiday? How was your Christmas? You know, all things considered, it was awesome. Uh, my family did the 12 Zooms of Christmas. <laughs> mm, love that. We got together multiple times in that format and we had a blast. Well, that's, I mean, that leads me to my first question, I guess. I mean, the internet is a huge part of our lives these days, even even more so maybe than like they've been in previous holidays or Christmas. We did Zooms with my husband's family and got tapped out about the third one in. She's like, this is, this is, there's too much noise. You can't actually like have a conversation with somebody, but like you want to be there at the same time. And like, we're grateful for it, but it's, it's a medium that's difficult to navigate. And I think, I guess, you know, your new book, Rules of Engagement is kind of about this, like doing good and being good online. I love that, that subtitle of it. Why do you think the internet is sometimes such a place of frustration and vitriol to where we need to be reminded, okay, you have to be good. Like you have to do good. Like why, why do you think that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, that's something I've actually spent a lot of time wondering about the same thing. And a piece of me wonders whether part of the problem isn't that we're just trying to talk about some big things using an infrastructure that doesn't maybe have the heft to carry them yet. So mm-hmm. sort of I'm in Miami, as you mentioned, and oftentimes we have about 10 lanes of traffic trying to merge into three lane highway. And there's just a lot of honking and undesirable gesturing that begins to result <laughs> as a fruit of that. And I think likewise on social media, which is where I focused most in the book, um, is that we're often trying to communicate really big and weighty and nuanced thoughts, but we're trying to do it in 280 characters Mm. or small little bubbles or what you're talking about on Zoom. Um, And Christmas, it's like everybody trying to talk at the same time and trying to figure out like, what are the rules of etiquette here? Mm -hmm. And in doing that, a lot of times, I think we let go of a lot of the typical aids that we have that help us to communicate smoothly with each other, like nonverbals and body language and tone. And um, it just ends up being a lot of unintentional misunderstanding. Um, You know, but obviously that doesn't explain all of the, what you're naming here. We can't blame it all on just the medium. Somehow we have to acknowledge that the medium is unleashing something that's latent inside of us. That's always there, uh, but doesn't always surface when we're in person in the same way. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, Chanel, maybe you can, I, I think we've all seen it. Um, like, it's almost like a person doesn't realize they're talking to another person when you're engaging uh, yeah. in an Instagram message or a, a tweet or, I mean, even like in a Zoom sometimes, if there's 30 faces on the screens, like that's an individual that, but I, I'm not actually connecting with you. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think in social media, there's, there's a definite, I mean, it, before you never really thought that you were talking to a real person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think now in 
Corona times, there's less face to face. And so Mm -hmm. there's even less of this idea that there's a real person behind the screen. And we also like idealize a lot of people and what they say. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I think when we see people, we put them on pedestals and yada, yada. And so then, you know, when people say things we don't agree with, we find it hard to value them as people, Um, Mm -hmm. which I saw was one of your points in your book. You talk about valuing the person. Um, So like, how would you, guess if this is a good question like how would you recommend that people remember that there is a person behind the content because sometimes I mean before I wouldn't know what the advice would be but now especially when we're not having much face-to-face interaction with people like what would you say um how people could do that yeah I mean I think you're dead on there a lot of the research on why there is heightened vitriol and frustration online does indicate that a good part of it is because when we're meeting with other people, at least on social media, we're not necessarily seeing their face. And I actually, for many of us who are teaching right at this moment too, we have the challenge of trying to teach and people have gone gray screen on us on Mm -hmm. zoom. And it's really hard to remain engaged in the conversation in the same way when we can't see who it is that we're talking to. Um, But then also within Christianity, we pick up so much in communication because of the body. And Mm -hmm. Christianity acknowledges that the body isn't a really important part of who we are and how we communicate. And so not being able to have the nonverbals, not being able to really be with the person in the flesh does really impact things and makes it so much more difficult for us to always keep in mind the other person. So one of the questions which I do end up posing in the book then is just whether or not the medium actually has the have to have deep conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we hop off of social media? Zoom is definitely better than social media. Zoom is definitely better than um, getting on the phone even because you can see a little bit more of the other person. Um, And so I do think that the more we have the physical (laughs) of the person in front of us, even if it's mediated by technology, helps the conversation to go smoother. Mm -hmm. The most dangerous conversations are going to happen when there's um, not a face, not even a voice. And sometimes on social media, you're not even sure that who you're talking to is a real person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are they like, there might be a real person, like somebody is typing it, but they're like embodying the bot, right? Like they're trying to be the troll. They're trying to be the trope of a person merely to make a point. I mean, that's that's what I feel like Twitter has turned into. If I generally will only block if it's a person who's just got, you know, some generic photo and a fake name. And you're like, I know you're somebody, but you're choosing to not be your somebody just to make points. Um well, and sometimes it's sometimes with bots, it's not even that there really is a somebody mm-hmm. there. It's an automated response, like a chatbot. Yeah. Um, and there's there's current statistics say I want to say about fifteen percent of um, profiles on Twitter are actually ju- not even human. Oh my so we're gosh. not even entirely sure who we're engaging. Yeesh. Oh. It makes you want to blow it all up, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, and about two thirds of the really the most popular news stories that go out into the world are actually being shared by bots rather than by actual humans um, because it's trying to elevate particular stories into our consciousness, which is it is it's scary. Well, yeah, it's like we want to make something go viral. And then it's like, but this nobody would have maybe paid attention to this or 
or like the things that do actually need to be amplified get get deadened. I mean, it's all about the algorithm, right? And it's all about which which things are getting clicked on. So, I mean, I'm getting increasingly frustrated. I definitely watched the social dilemma on Facebook and about Facebook and thought, okay, I'm just going to delete it all. Is it worth trying to baptize any of this, Anne? Like, should Christians try to even engage or should we just say, you know what, forget it. I'll just care about my own particular neighborhood and only ever talk to the person I can see? Katie, I have so go around and around in that question in my own mind too. Yeah, I keep thinking like, holy cow, if all this is going on in there, is it better for me just to drop off? And then at the same time, there's this other piece of me that's like, and this is where real life is happening for large portions of the world. This is where conversations are occurring. And if I want to be salt in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, salt of the earth, light in the world, I need to be able to be part of the conversation and try to influence it in healthy directions. I love that Benedict the 16th, um, he spoke about kind of the social media world as the digital continent of the mm-hmm. future, where we need to be able to go in as Christians and show up there as Christians. And I, I my fear like yours is that sometimes the contagion's going in the other direction and we're actually having less healthy conversations for being on there rather than being like leaven in the sphere and helping the social media world to have better conversations. Um, So I do think that it's a place that we do need to continue to be. The question is just how and how to manage ourselves in it well, which Mm -hmm. was what provoked me to write on that Mm -hmm. topic. Wow. Yeah. I do share all your concerns. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's so interesting because I think in the beginning of quarantine, there was this, I think there was a surge of like, wow, oh my gosh, now I can FaceTime all these people I haven't talked to. Now I can talk to my dad every day. Now I can really hype up like conversations I haven't had with other people in a long time. Um, And then, you know, surely now there's like this burnout where if anyone tries to even call me without letting me know two hours before, I absolutely don't answer. Um, and I, and I absolutely feel overwhelmed at the idea of conversing with somebody online because it just makes me so tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, there's this interesting thing that's happening where I've like, just, I don't know how to even talk to people online anymore, even though we, we went so hard at it in the beginning because I'm just so tired of talking. Um, so how would you, do you have any like practical ways that we can engage with people online while acknowledging the fact that a lot of us are also burnt out? Right. So I guess it'd be the same kind of question as our own, like being online ourselves. Right. Um, but how do we engage with other people while still like honoring ourselves? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I did. I, when I was writing originally, I wrote before COVID. I had no idea I was going to end up spending like eight hours, right? A day. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the research, and I'll be interested in seeing what happens after this year, like what's going to come out. At least before COVID, the typical American social media user was spending around two hours and six minutes a day. Mm. on social media. Oh, wow, that seems so little. Oh my and I was going to say, my screen time <laughs> report is yeah. different. I know. Exactly. I turned mine off. Might have now it does. Um, so I think we're actually, we're talking out about a couple of different things when we're talking about online here, at least mm-hmm. in our time with each other. We're talking about 
kind of like the work that we're doing, which is oftentimes happening through Zoom or mm-hmm. WebEx or that kind of stuff. We're talking about social media, which is like a different set of platforms for the sake of kind of conversation exchange of ideas, but oftentimes not exactly the same as like when I have to show up for work right. <laughs> and stuff. And so sometimes it's, it's hard for me to try to figure out how do I, yeah, how, how does the learning that we've had in one sphere balance out with the other sphere? Um, because right now, often, as you're saying, we don't have a choice about whether or not, you know, like for my professional work, I have to be on Zoom for a certain mm-hmm. number of hours a day. I don't have to be on social media. Um, could I let some of that go? But Chanel, what I hear you asking, the bigger question is just how do I take care of myself in this time when I realize that I'm having so little physical human interaction, incarnate interaction with other people, and I'm feeling so exhausted. I realize that the medium that's between us is part of what's community, uh, part of what's contributing to that all. Exactly. Um, and yet, how do I take care of myself in the midst of that? Because I think a lot of people are saying this form of communication is really exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something I'm pondering too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think when we ask about like healthy engagement online, one thing I've had to do is kind of check my reactions when I see things. So like if I see somebody post something that shouldn't bother me, it's just like a picture but it does bother me. Okay. Then maybe I need to take a break from following them. Or maybe I need to like ask myself like, okay, why am I agitated by this? Or has something else in the ether of the internet? I I hate to even use the word triggered, but like, is it, it's causing this kind of a response. And then do I need to maybe pull back or like set some more limits to myself or my, my husband, um, much to his credit, he hid all of the social media icons from his home screen. So he has to like literally pull the search bar down to open up Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And I don't know, even just like that one extra step, he's got better uh, self-control than I do. Like he doesn't do it. And so it's like, he's lessened his time and that's kind of helped him deconstruct, I guess, like that attachment. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I see you have a part in your, so you have like your eight points in your book and one of them is about managing your energy. So I feel like that would kind of go with that where it's like, you know, I'm just gonna, I admire your husband because I tried to also hide my things. And then one one morning I woke up in a panic and I was like, I can't get on Instagram. So I can't find it. Um, But yeah, managing your energy and just managing how, how much you give to all of those applications outside of, you know, mandatory zooms and work things. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just really, it's just really hard. And it's just so interesting to think about months ago when we were all just so excited that we had all day to just talk to people all the time. (laughs) And now I just absolutely do not want to. Um, And it's such a switch, you know, of like how our energy has been kind of taken and reworked, you know, so interesting. You know, in that last chapter and that I had some tips about like how, well, because even it's a big debate whether or not people, whether you really should qualify 
call it um, addiction to social media and so Mm -hmm. forth. There's a debate about that in the mental health community. But at least what we could acknowledge is that about 40% of Americans report feeling addicted, like feeling Mm -hmm. like they're having a hard time tuning out. And so when I was trying to figure out like what were tips to help people manage their energy more, I tried almost all of them on myself. And one in there that was the most intriguing to me that I haven't heard talked about as much was the one about making your making your um, phone go gray tone. Mm -hmm. So there's a thing you can do in settings because we realize the human brain is wired to, is wired. It's like color is like candy for the brain. And even the colors that some of the social media platforms have chosen make them just so visually attractive. Like Mm -hmm. if there's a red thing, I need to check on that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, moving, moving the app further back in the phone, um, moving it also changing my screen to gray so that everything was more muted. It, that, that was interesting experiment. I don't know if it totally helped me, but it did a little bit. I think I've had a lot of friends that have done that. Like for Lent, they'll go, they're like going grayscale for Lent, which is, you know, the fact that millennials now attach social media fasting to Lenten fasting, I think is just a fascinating <laughs> snapshot of our generation and how attached we are to it. I, and I agree. Addiction sounds harsh. I, I feel like it's an attack. It's like this unhealthy, I feel like I need it. And like, I I need that validation, but I also see some value in it, whether it's like making connections with new people, like Chanel and I completely met online. I I met my husband. Like I really can't knock the internet. Like like it's, it's, (laughs) there's some value to it, but then also making sure that there's a, a balance. So I guess, and we always end our podcast with a question of like, what's your hope for the week? But maybe this week we ask like, rather than like, what's your hope just for the week? Like, what's your hope for social media conversations or just the use of media, especially in 2021 at the start of a new year? Do you have a hope regarding that? Yeah, that that we use it for the sake of building connection with each other and building community and that we use it in right proportion and right relationship to the rest of our life Mm -hmm. and that it becomes a real tool for the good in the world um, and that we can mitigate some of the more dangerous edges of it. Because I do Mm -hmm. believe in the end, it is um, here to stay. And can be a tremendous source of grace. Like you're talking about the friendship that's emerged between you. Um, So that's my hope for it. That's a source of friendship and not Mm -hmm. fragmentation. Oh, I like that. That's good. Chanel, do you have a hope for the week or for media? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, hmm. I would say my hope for this week is probably just that I will stick to my exercise routine. Um, I've started, I do a TikTok workout. Like, look at that. Social media is so integrated in my life. I can't even separate working out from social media. Um, I do a TikTok workout every day. Um, and so far it's been two days and I am burnt out. So I, my hope is that I stick to it because I'm already exhausted. So nice. Mm -hmm. I think my hope for the week is, um, as we lean Further into 2021, just like resolutions that have been set, if people are on the resolution game, or just like even like the hopes that folks are holding on to for a better year, like with travel or maybe like events start to come back or schools that aren't open start to re- just like that we all 
I'm going to say it nicely, manage expectations. Like I'm always, I'm, I'm lofty with my goals at the beginning. Like I'm going to read 50 books and now I need to like pare it back. Not nah, maybe 20, I'm going to read 20 books. And then maybe if I get to 25, that's great. So just managing, I have a hope that I and others will manage their expectations for this. Like it's going to be a better year. <laughs> it will be, but like, let's, let's, it's not magically going to be better. Does that make sense? Mm. I'm trying to be pessimistic with my optimism or realistic <laughs> with my optimism. Does that make sense? And your book that. is coming out in February. Um, and I'm so excited for folks to find it, but where can we learn more about you and your work? Wow. Um, we can look at my website and um, there's a lot of ancillary sources that go along with the book there too. So i um, working on that as we speak. Yeah. Awesome. We will link all of that in the show notes. And are you on social media? Can we follow you there? <laughs> I, I feel like I need to plug that. <laughs> I know. No, I am on Facebook. I am a little on Twitter. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to learn the right balance thing myself. So that's, I'm kind of sticking with what's manageable and with where the people who I most commonly interact with are. Cool. Well, we will link that in the show notes. Hopefully some, some follows come your way and some healthy interactions. <laughs> Thanks for joining uh, us. Wonderful. Katie, thank you. Chanel, thank you. Thank you. Rules of Engagement is available soon from Ave Maria Press. You can find the link to pre-order the book down in the show notes. It's filled with great wisdom and insight from Anne, all about this topic that we just unpacked. Ave Spotlight is, of course, a podcast produced and created by Ave Maria Press. We would be grateful for a rating and a review. We'd love it if you'd subscribe so that you get the shows every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. And, of course, you can also subscribe to our other show, Ave Explores, which is a deep-dive interview show. Our next season will be all about Catholicism around the world. You can find the link down in the show notes to subscribe to that series and get the weekly emails right into your inbox as well. As always, we're grateful that you took the time this week to listen. We hope that you have a hope-filled, joyful week, that the things that we talked about today spark some uh, prayer and contemplation in your life. And we'll be back next Monday with an excellent episode with Gary Zemak, all about preparing for Lent. Thanks so much. Have a great week.